Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Christoph Katzbeck. Hey, Jay. Hi, Christoph. It's two weeks in a row. Two? Is it? Yeah. You were with me last week? I was. Nobody remembers Yeah. That. <laughs> How quickly you forget. I'm not even going to tell you. I actually had some people defending. I People thought that I was being rude to you last week. You, why? I don't know. I was going to say I was going to say something. I was going to quip back, and I, I decided not to. I'm just going to say that um, when snacks were passed out at our Wednesday evening activities, they were intentionally passed over me. Oh. <laughs> because I didn't that's, deserve it. That's a bummer. I mean... I yeah. know the snack person too, so I mean, I think that's I, why I know them quite well. I think that's why you. I think that's. I don't know. I just, but I genuinely was sitting there thinking, man. I I definitely would believe it if somebody said that I. Um, they listened to the podcast, and so that's why you didn't get snacks at family. Yeah, like I, but I just don't remember that's what rough. I did last week. That dude is rough out here. I guess the pod, the pod, the podcast. Those fifteen listeners who are listening, they will, they will hold your feet to the fire. I know. Well, I think that they, they used to do this with Robbie too. They, they there's like this narrative that, um, that everyone else is like anybody else that sits across from me in the podcast is like this poor, you know. Yeah, you're the one drilling yeah. a little bit, and we're we're in the hot seat. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, they don't realize that I receive all kinds of abuse from you guys throughout the week. And do you? I'm actually the. I'm the one that everyone should feel sorry for. Well, hopefully, whoever's <laughs> passing out snacks this week, a double portion for that double, guy. Double portion. He gets two I mean, granola bars, all right? Yeah. Um, also, just so you know, if anybody hears, um, we have a cricket that has made it taken up residency. And it's loud. It's This cricket, I'm kind of hoping that he does chirp during the podcast because he is he is the voice of the cricket like when you think of a cricket sound, if you have a cricket sound effect, I think this is the cricket. We could potentially, if he if he chirps yeah. and there's like it's at the right time where there's right. silence, we could clip that, and, and we could maybe we could sell it, it. We could. Well, I think it's already been done. I think he. You know, it's kind of like when you talk to the guy. Remember way back when all of the movie trailers had the same guy's voice. You know, the yeah, one yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. One, like they don't do that anymore. But um, but when they did that, and that guy. That guy went to our church in California. He did like probably 70% of those. And really? Yeah. It was just so funny because just to talk to him regular, he didn't talk like that. He didn't be like, I would like tacos. You know, like he didn't. He's <laughs> just like, he introduces he, himself as he walks into the room. My and, name's Jim. Yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't do that. But you think like once you hear it, you're like, oh, you're the voice. Or, you know, there's people sometimes that do animated character voices. And so then they'll go out and and just use that voice and people think it's an impression. You're like, no, you're the, the, actual, you're the guy. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. This cricket in here, he's not doing an impression. What's of the actual the, one? Uh, he's the guy. Yeah. He's the cricket. It's yeah. like the the quintessential perfect pitch cricket chirp. Yeah. So there hey, you go. Hopefully you get it. Really quickly, what what, what kind of snacks are they giving at Family Bible? I don't know. Why, why are you going back to that? Well, I'm just curious. I thought you had experience in radio. We're not going back to that. No, I wa- well, I wanted to go back to it because I was I was curious. But oh. I, get, I get snacks for youth group every week, and I just want to see, like, hey, am Listen, I— Listen, here's I, what I know. I walked into the church, and that person looked at me, and they said, go and sit over here. Sit at my feet. Stand over there. <laughs> and other people received snacks. So you might okay. say All right. that— they showed partiality. Oh, wow. Hey, see? Look at that. I, I was told helping you, you I get to the master, transition. No, you didn't need I was to. Helping I didn't need any help. I'm the master of transitions. Okay. That's the only thing I do well. Sure. Transition. Okay. So, right. partiality. Partiality. Dude, you had to take a tough passage this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was so interesting. James chapter 2, partiality. 
Um, I, I had texted you on Saturday because you asked me how, how I was going writing it. And it just, it feels like one of those passages where you could read it and say amen and just kind of walk away. Because it, it's pretty, it's like, hey, show no partiality. Um, but then as, as I was praying on it and, and thinking about it, like there's, there was just, there's so much there. Uh, I felt like it needed to be said. So, um, yeah, tough passage. It was, um, and very convicting. You know, there were, there were times where I was like, oh man, I've, I've been that person. And, um, just a lot of asking God to kind of, uh, weed that out and reminding myself that I'm forgiven of that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'd love to just dive in and a couple of things I thought were really powerful, um, just really, I thought you laid it out really well. I thought you did a good job of, of setting the stage and talking about what partiality actually is. Cause it's not a word we use a lot, but once you describe it and define it, we're like, Oh, I know what that is. Um, but also I thought you did a good job of not just letting it be about rich and poor, because that's something I think we can dismiss really easily, you know, because in our culture, I mean, here's the irony, right? Is that, um, we're the like the wealthiest nation in the world. Right. And yet we often we don't see ourselves as wealthy. Yeah. No. Right. So like we had the whole stuff with the one percent and everything. And and whenever I hear about the one percent, I'm like, well that's funny because we are the one percent. Globally speaking. Like globally yeah, we yeah. we are the one percent. So like that would in a sense, often when we are complaining about that, it would be like us listening to a guy that's only worth four billion arguing with a guy that's twenty worth twenty billion. Right. Like, listen, right. you're both you're both billionaires. Um, so there is there is an element of that. So, but I think because of that, because of that posture, we think we don't, you know, maybe judge based on that. Um, but I thought you did a good job of kind of rounding that out and saying that it's 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 choosing how you treat someone based on external factors, yeah. you know, and, and rather than seeing through to, um, what God sees, you know, and, um, and I thought you, and you gave those three reasons why we often do that, you know, utilitarianism, pragmatism, and just discomfort. I thought that was really good. The utilitarianism one though. So here's what jumped out at me. The utilitarianism one of just like, what, what can I get from this person? I think most of us would say, I think most of the people in that room would not typically think immediately that they fall into the trap of like, well, I'm going to be nice to this rich person because maybe this rich person will give me money. Yeah. Yeah. There are cultures where that happens and there are situations where that can happen. And I'm not saying that nobody struggles with that, but I thought it was really good to point out um, social utilitarianism or emotional needs. And so how often we seek people out because of what they provide for us emotionally or relationally. And on one hand, I think what makes that tricky is on one hand, well, you're just describing making friends. Sure. So there's a sense in which, well, of course you're going to go and talk to the person that you have more in common with. Um, So there's a, there's a sense in which that happens and, and it's understandable and and normal. Oh man, there it was. I don't know if anybody heard it. It's over in this corner. I don't know if anybody heard it. Yeah. This is going to be so weird if there's nothing on the podcast. That is going to be. It's probably not because these are really directional microphones, so I don't know. If but that cricket just went off. It was, yeah, it was the loud. cricket happened. So, yeah. um, But I thought, I thought, man, it is really common that we tend to, um, we choose who we want to spend time with based on what they can give us. And Jesus talks about that, inviting people in the banquet. Like, don't 
don't invite, if you're having a banquet, don't invite people who can invite you back, you know? Right, and, right. So he confronts partiality in a lot of different ways. It is a very consistent theme actually in the new Testament of this sin of, of partiality. Um, so I thought that that was really important is to remember that, um, there is a utilitarian effect of just naturally we, we want to, um, hang out with people who, um, who have something to offer us. So one question I would pose to you before I get to the other point that I thought uh, I really wanted to draw out is how do you, how do you know the difference and how do you get like, is the answer that you only ever talk to people who, who have no, is, is the point that Jesus is making with the banquet or the point that James is making here saying you only should ever talk to people who have nothing to offer you right, any, right. if that was the case, I wouldn't even talk to my wife. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, my wife, like there's a lot of emotional and relational connection there. And, and so I like hanging out with her. You know, I have friends that I enjoy spending time with that it's life giving, right? Like we talk about, and the world even talks about that of, of like, well, only spend time with people who are life giving to you, which is not biblical. Right. But at right. the same time, there is some sound advice in, Hey, you should invest in relationships that are that are a blessing. So how do you how do you discern the difference? How do you know when you're guilty of partiality and when you're actually just being wise and you have friends? Yeah. It, well, the funny thing is, you just set that up to where if I say yes to that, then I'm telling you you can't talk to your wife anymore. Right. Um, so obviously, the answer to that question is no. I I think it's it all boils down to motive, right? Um, or at least that's what it feels like to me is like, what is, what, what is the motive behind the relationship? And you're right. Um, in fact, I think scripture in other places affirms the fact that we should be in relationships where we complement one another and we do serve and give to one another. And we, we do think in those, um, in those categories, like, like when Paul is talking about, um, you know, the church being a body, you know, one, one is the arm, one is the leg, one is the ear, one is the eye. Um, so I think that's healthy, but I, I think where it gets unhealthy is where that is like the sole motivating factor is like, what can I get out of you? What, what can I um, get out of this relationship? Because then you do, you do begin to cut people out of when things get difficult, uh, when there tends, when there is tension, that is when you're going to cut, you're going to cut away from that relationship because it doesn't offer you anything. And that's where you do tend to lean into more worldly philosophies of, well, I'm only going to be friends with you if you can, if you're life giving and all of that. Um, and the bummer to that is like, we oftentimes miss out on the opportunity. This is kind of what I talked about with the with the the blessing and what James talks about later on in, in chapter two is it's often not often it is the poor who are rich in faith. It is those that when we go out of our way to serve, it is those when we um, don't have those motives that we then see the kingdom work in their lives because we get the opportunity to see um, God work through. And I'm going to call I hate this term, so this is probably a bad term, but like deficiencies. And they're not deficiencies; they are. Um, Again, worldly metrics. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Sure. Are you tracking with yes. that at all? <laughs> so yeah, so no, to, it does. to answer the question it's like just, motives, right? I know, but okay. But then I think, so one of the things I'm taking from that is if you're asking yourself, if the question that you're, um, that it, well, I guess I, part of it I would say is James's answer is not be rude to the rich people no. And welcome in the poor person. But he's saying, like, why are you why are you treating them better? Why are you like aren't well, they the a, ones that yeah. oppress you? Like, aren't they the ones that do this to you? Like this so I think it's both. It's saying, Well, yeah, by all means, you know Well, and have compassion to the rich person. Right. Have by all means. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Not the, the seeing the image of God in others, it, it cuts both ways, right? Like you, the if if the if it is the poor who are rich in faith, man, we need to be giving the gospel to the rich as well. Like there needs to be uh, the gospel given to them as well. But we're doing a complete disservice to both if we are partial based upon worldly metrics. If if you know, and we're just running with the illustration that James gives, where they come into the assembly and we're giving. The rich person, the high seat of honor, and the poor person we're having sit at the feet. Um, the real answer isn't you kick the rich person out of the building and they just aren't a part of the assembly. The real answer is you love both of them. You 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 welcome both of them. You um, minister to both of them. Um, but do it with an empathetic heart, recognizing where they both come from, and don't give partiality based upon the world's metrics. Give it based upon God's metrics. Right, and Paul, Paul addresses that when he says we don't, we don't regard anyone t- according to the flesh. Yeah, anymore. exactly. Like you're, you're not, when we look at people, we see them as image bearers. And if they are in Christ as brothers and sisters. And so that's how we regard people. We regard them as new creations. If they're, if they're in Christ, we regard them as new creations. If they're not in Christ, we still regard them as image bearers of God. And so, so we just don't regard them the way that the world does. When you see this obviously with, um, you know, David and, you know, the, the kind of the exhortation that, that man looks at the outside, but God looks at yeah. the heart. We then in the spirit are to look at the heart. We are to, you know, to love people the way that way God has loved us. And so I do think that that's, it's just, it's, it's less about saying, okay, well now I'm going, so then I'm going to treat the poor person better than the rich person. It's more of saying you're, you don't regard either one of them according to the flesh. You regard them according to the kingdom. Yeah. And yeah, like the person who is poor, like they are, they are rich in the kingdom. So there, there's a value there in that, in that upside down kingdom, like you talked about. But I do think, oh, we're good. Yeah. Sorry. You raised Um, your hand. Nobody saw that. I just wanted to give you the, we're on YouTube. You would have seen that. You just, all right. I, I was going to say. Yes, Christoph. <laughs> one of one of the other things that I wanted to say, and I intentionally did not say it on Sunday morning. It's funny. Uh, Sarah and I were talking about this, and she kind of brought it up. And I decided not to put it in the sermon because uh, I, I think we have this ability, especially with passages like James, to qualify everything in, in such a way as to give people outs on passages. And I, I, just, I just didn't necessarily want to give that. But what James isn't saying is treat everyone the same. Right. Like he's not saying because you don't treat everyone the same. You don't treat me the same way you treat your children. You don't treat. Don't, well, <laughs> don't I? <laughs> Isn't um, that the problem? Isn't okay. that why well, I didn't get a well, snack? You know, that's I think that's why I didn't. Get, yeah. uh, but but I treat, you know, I, I treat um, kids who are in the youth group differently than I treat my own children. And I even treat, you know, high schoolers differently than I treat middle schoolers. Um, it's not saying that you treat everyone the same. It's saying that you see them in the same you see them in the same light of created in God's image and then serve them based upon where they are. And so you're not going to treat everyone the same. You're not going to treat the rich person the same as you would the poor person, especially within the context of your assembly, because they, they both have different needs and you need to be able to see those needs And the way that you actually see what those actually are is through a, a spirit filled lens, right? Of, of, of being able to see what that image of God is in them um, and then moving from there. Yeah. And I think, so again, as with everything, this goes at the heart. Like, what are what are my motives? What? How am I seeing the world? I mean, this is what James is talking about: is that 
Like if you see this according to the kingdom, then this is how you'll act. And we'll, he'll go on that when I get to talk about how faith without works is dead. Um, that if you believe this, if you actually have been transformed in the kingdom, then you'll function as kingdom people, which means you're not going to show partiality. You're going to you're not going to regard anyone according to the flesh. But when I look at our own current state, I think you pointed out utilitarianism, but I think um, and and pragmatism, and that's a that's a good point. But the discomfort one, I saw a lot of people go, oh yeah, like this. Mm-hmm. At at the end of the day, I think a lot of us. We don't treat people differently um, overtly. Like we don't, I, I, there are very few, I can't imagine, it would be really weird to me if someone in our church like sat, like intentionally took a wealthy family and sat them down in a place of honor, you know, and right, took right, somebody else right, yeah. and like ignored them or whatever. I would argue that most of us, when we are guilty of partiality, it really does come down to to some utilitarianism, like kind of an un- underlying. What can um, you do? For like me? this is life giving, and this and this relationship, this person over here is draining, and this person is life giving, and so we kind of default to that. But I think so much of it has to do with discomfort. We just we don't do well with awkwardness. We get really like we want we want quick, fast connections, and honestly, the church has really fed into that. Um, this is one of the reasons why we, we, we believe heavily in cross-generational ministry mm-hmm. and we don't do affinity-based groups. And by affinity-based groups, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't divide up. We don't have like a young marrieds group and then, a you know, young family group and then, you know, a group with all teenagers or a group with like empty nesters or retirees. Like we don't do that even though we know those connections are quick. So here's the thing, like when you have a lot in common with someone, the connection is, in my experience, the connect, the connection is quick, but it's not very deep. And, and by that, I, I've used this illustration before, but if you, if you meet somebody, w- human interactions, typically you're trying to find the first thing that you have in common. You're trying to find common ground with somebody. Like if you're ever at, at a graduation party or a work event or at a block party or anything like that, if you're meeting someone new, you're typically trying to find some point of connection to have a conversation about. And the quicker you find that connection point, the better, the more, the longer it takes. Like if you're with somebody that you don't have anything in common with, that can be really tough. But if you have a lot in common with someone, that's easier because you make that connection faster. But what I find is when you find that connection point, we typically stop there. Right. That's like the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. Yep. So my guess is like, I, if you probably have people in your life who are a Bears fan, and you mentioned that you're a Bears fan, and like, dude, even sometimes if you try, my guess is that even if you try to talk about something else, like, yeah, that's yes, the, you yeah. talk about Bears. And we all have those. You, everybody has like, oh, that's the person I talk about work with because we had that in common. That's the person I talk about our hometown with because we have that in common. That's the person I talk about this hobby with because we have that in common. And what I found in my life is when I share one of those things in common with someone, it's a quick connection, but it struggles then to go deeper because I have this culture now with this friendship that is, this is what we talk about. Whereas in my life, the friendships that I have where I didn't have much in common, 
I eventually get to the place where, well, Jesus is the only thing we have in common. Right. And if Jesus is the only thing you have in common, guess what you talk about? Jesus. Yeah. And so I've found in my life that the most Christ-centered, encouraging friendships I have are often people that I have no, I don't share the same life stage. I don't share the same background. I don't share any of those things in common because the only, because what we've talked, what we talk about is Christ. And that's where that, it becomes a blessing. Like I just, one of the things I want to encourage people is don't shy away from relationships that don't have a quick connection point. They're in a different life stage than you. They live in a different place than you. They have a different type of job than you, different background than you, because there's some really rich opportunities there to encourage one another in Christ, even though you're different. And I think when you're talking about that blessing is we miss out on that. Then we miss out on the beauty of the body of Christ when we're only interested in hanging out with people who are just like us. Now that said, I'm not saying that sharing things in common isn't also a blessing. It is like we have a lot of, I have a lot of friends you know, my kids have friends and often you're friends with the parents of your kids' friends. Like that's a very common thing. A lot of the thing. same things, right? Yeah. Right. And um, and that's awesome because you can encourage one another. You can share, like you're sharing similar life stages. You're sharing s- similar circumstances. And that is a really, can be a really great thing. So I'm not, I'm not discounting that. We're not saying don't, like never hang out with someone that's the same age as you or has the same life stage as you. What I'm saying is that's natural. It's kind of like when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Scripture multiple times, like, well, nobody ever hated themselves. Like, you don't you don't really need to be told, hey, think about yourself. That's natural. What's not natural is to think about others. In the same way with relationships, no one needs to be told, hey, be nice to the person who is really life-giving and you're in, like, you share a lot in common. Like, that's natural to want to talk to them. But what James is talking about is, don't don't miss out on the blessing that's that's over here, like reaching out to people that that you don't think because in the gospel that's like remember again the gospel part of the, the one of the biggest testimonies one of the most powerful testimonies of the early church was it was the most diverse gathering of people that the literally that the world had ever seen yeah the world had never seen people of different socioeconomic classes, different ethnicities, different religious backgrounds. Like they had nothing else in common but Christ. And they not only hung out together, but they took responsibility for each other like they were family. Like let that sink in for a second. Nowhere in the world, everywhere else in the world, people were divided by race. They were divided by economic status, social status, um, cultural background. And they only hung out with people that they had all those things in common with and everyone else was the enemy. But now all of a sudden in the church, in the early church, you had Jews, Gentiles, men, women, rich, poor, Romans, like they get all these people together and they not only coexisted, but they were selling everything they had to meet one another's needs. It was, it was radical. And that's what makes me so sad is the church today, we'd say like, are we the most diverse gathering? I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like in some ways, I Sometimes. think we're still that. And in other ways, we're not. And we need to be mindful mindful of that. 
and realizing like when you have Christ in common, you actually have everything in common. So what does it what does it look like then for someone maybe who's who's getting ready to come to church this Sunday, um, and they go, man, I feel that I feel convicted by the fact that I'm not that I'm that I'm kind of drawn towards that which I'm comfortable. How how do I how do I pursue those kind of relationships? What what does it look like to pursue gospel centered relationships where I am interacting with those who maybe we don't have a lot on the surface in common. Um, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. What does that look like? So this is going to sound, this might sound like a cop-out or oversimplified. No, give it. But I think it is actually the simple answer. It's what I've found and what I see in the teachings of Jesus, which makes sense. So it's fulfilled in the great commandment. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So first is finding your identity completely in Christ. So here's part of part of the secret to this is when you are fulfilled in Christ, then you are able to love someone regardless of what they're able to give back to you. So friendships, human friendships that are life-giving are a gift from God. But we don't need them like we need water. It's not an, at that point it's not a necessity because no. you're finding your life. Right, you've already been fulfilled in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this is now a gift. It's a beautiful gift. It's like it, you know, that's where we get phrases like it's the icing on the cake. You know, you already got the cake, but the icing is just like, hey, this is great. Yeah. There's a, there's a, so, so to be satisfied in Christ, so you don't come to worship needing like approval of others, needing the praises of others, needing all of this from people. Again, all of this with a grain of salt. Sometimes you come to worship and you desperately need, you need encouragement. Yeah, and you're hoping yeah. for that, and the church will give that. But that's what I'm talking about: is uh, how do you how do you get through this kind of partiality thing? So that love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like love your neighbor as yourself. So I would say it's as simple as love your neighbor. And when they ask Jesus, "Well, who's my neighbor?" Jesus basically says, "Like, well, who's in front of you? Right? What kind of a neighbor are you to the person in front of you?" So. I know it sounds really simple, but I would say, man, don't be overwhelmed by coming in on a Sunday morning and looking around the entire worship area and trying to figure out like, okay, who's, who's the person that I think is going to be the most awkward to have a conversation with? Like, maybe you should do that. Like maybe you look around and you see somebody that you're like, man, I had a conversation with them one time, but we did not have anything in common and it was really awkward. So maybe I'm going to try again. Maybe you do that, but I would say just start literally with the person, your neighbor, the person that's sitting next to you in the row, the person that's sitting in front of you, pause for a second after the service is over and look for who's a person that doesn't have anyone to talk to. Can I, sorry. Yes. And and if I can throw it out there, because I, I will say there, are, and, and listen, this is not me. I, I don't have anyone specifically in mind, but like there, there are a lot of people in our church, and, and I'm partially guilty of this sometimes, that they have kind of their usual spot where they sit. And, and listen, yeah. if, if that's you, I love you. That's awesome. But if you want a different experience on a Sunday morning, just go sit on the opposite side of the room. Like, go sit somewhere you're not used to and just see, like, then look around you and see who's around you. And, or, and, or double down and be the host of your little area. There you go, yeah. I think both. Both are great. Yeah. So, yeah, I've noticed that, like, if – People have said that to me before. Man, I sat on the other side of the worship area, and Sarah and I try to do it. We try to we try to sit all over the place, which is awesome. Yeah. So I would say either do that or 
maybe maybe there's other reasons why you're sitting where you're sitting. Like there's other there's other true, reasons true. why you feel like I need to be I need to be near a door. I don't like to be sitting up forward like with a lot of people, you know, to my back. Like there's there's a lot of reasons why people sit where they sit. Yeah, I was not trying to so, condemn anyone who sit in the same spot. I don't think anybody time. was yeah. feeling that. No, yeah. don't worry. But what I'm saying is you can do it either way. You can go around to different areas and and experience something different like that or you can say, "Man, I always sit here." And so I'm going to take responsibility. If I, I that means if you always sit in the same spot, you know when somebody is new to that area, that it's true. spot. Very true. So take it upon yourself to greet that person, to to welcome them. So so when I was saying that of like just your neighbor, like look around and see who's there. Look after the service and pay attention. Slow down for a second. You might have your best friends sit might sit with you or sit behind you or whatever make a commitment to each other. Hey, we're not going to talk to each other for the first minute. For the first minute, we're going to look around and see, is there anybody that's kind of awkwardly looking around or anybody that looks like they're kind of bolting because they don't have anybody to talk to And we're going to talk to them first. And if, if we don't see anybody, then we'll turn around and start talking, you know, to each other. So that would be one thing I would encourage people to do. And then if you do go and you reach out to somebody like be okay with awkwardness, yeah. just one of the best ways to love people is to love them in the midst of awkwardness. And, and the way I would suggest that is don't, don't overdo it. Like don't, you don't need to have a 10 minute conversation or a 20 minute conversation with somebody. The power of just of going up to somebody and saying, Hey, um, I don't think we've ever met you know, my name's Jay and just having that interaction and saying, well, it was really, it was nice to meet you. Or you can ask a follow-up question of, you know, so how'd you get connected here or, you know, something like that. And sometimes, man, people know, like my reputation, I'll run people down the parking lot. I'll do whatever. But, but I try to read the situation. Like my, my only goal and objective in trying to go up to somebody who's new is I just want to make sure that they were welcomed and that we saw them and that I got to meet them. If they end up having a conversation and we talk about a lot of other things, great. But there have been a lot of those interactions that have been 45 seconds in length. Yeah. Where I can tell they're, they're trying to get away <laughs> and I, and I let them like, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force somebody to stay in an awkward conversation. I just want them to know that they were noticed. So that would be my encouragement is be satisfied in Christ. And then from that place of security, take responsibility and see it as like, man, I, this is, this is my church home. This is my church family. I'm the host here. I want to make sure that people are feeling welcomed. And so just pause. And again, I would say, I would say if you always sit around the same people, commit to each other, talk to them about it this week, ask, say, Hey, did you listen to the podcast? Let's try to do that. Like, let's try to, let's try Let's, let's make a commitment with each other that we're not going to just turn and start talking to each other, that we're going to just take a minute and look around and just be aware and make sure that we notice people and then, and then go and, and talk with somebody. Um, and, and then like, and just see what God does in that and receive the blessings of it. So that would be my suggestion. What I, what I love about that answer is that it, it directly connects to, and I don't know if you were intending to do this, but what, what James says after talking about partiality, is he begins talking about the Royal law and he directly ties this. And I, and I had said it on Sunday morning, and part of me, 
you know my bend of like wanting to talk about get into the weeds of like the the connections and the theological implications and stuff like that but he goes and he he quotes leviticus 1918 uh, i think it was 19 and um which talks about loving the lord your god with all uh sorry loving your neighbor and, and what's awesome is that Jesus ties those two commands together of, of right. love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor. Um, and it really is. That's that's the call of of the Christian. And that, that's that's the call. And because so I, that's how he loved us. Right? Exactly, like, so yeah. We are, you know, when you, it is, it is the demonstration of the gospel, right, when you love your neighbor as yourself. This is why John says, if you, if you hate your brother, you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. You don't actually love God. Like that's, it's a pretty bold statement of, and especially in a culture where we're like, well, I love God. Like when people, it's very common for people to say, I love God, but I just, I hate the church. So, yeah. And John says, you can't do that. Right. Like you're, you're actually a liar. You may not know you're a liar, but you don't, the love of God is not in you if you don't love your neighbor. And so I think like just being, starting by being aware of that and, and slowing down so much of this is, you know, go back to being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Just slow, just slow down and notice. Look around. Like, again, I, I think of when Jesus was, we talked about this, I think, last week in the podcast, when Jesus heals the bleeding woman, when he's on his way to to healing um, Jairus' Jair's da- daughter, um, that he slows down. And he says, who touched me? I'm like, what do you mean who touched you? Crowds are like all pressing in. Like, we're in a hurry. Jesus is not in a hurry. He has time. He's like, no, 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 that, 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 per- that one person, yeah. like, I need to, yeah. And so, man, every Sunday you have an opportunity when you come to worship to say, okay, God, I want to be, I, I want to be in this with you. I want to love somebody like, use me. Here I am. Send me. I mean, think about it. If, if you, if you thought on Sunday mornings when we all gather, and this is just one segment, this also holds true in your workplace and your home and your neighborhood, all right. the places. But if we're just looking at Sunday morning worship, God already knows what he's going to be doing in that. He knows who he is. You know, people will come up to me afterwards and they'll say, man, you, you said this. And like, that is exactly the situation I'm in. And, and, and I'll tell him like, that's not because of me, that's the Holy spirit. That was a gift from God that, you know, that he gave that to you. So God is constantly, you know, you talked about like, we want to be able to give, um, you know, during worship it's in our giving that we actually receive. Yeah. Right. So, so God gives us these blessings when we're like giving and being poured out for others. But if God is thinking, you know what, I'm going to encourage Christoph this morning. Like Christoph's been struggling today. You know, he's been struggling this week and I'm going to, I'm going to give him a gift. Well, man, I want to be the person in the church family that says, Hey God, I don't know who I want to be Santa Claus here. Well, that's weird. (laughs) I want to be, I want to be an elf. Let me be an elf. There you go. I want to. I want to hand out the presents. Like you're going to give a blessing. Like you, yeah, you're you're going to give a blessing. You're going to encourage Christoph today. I, if you have anybody that you want to encourage today, can you use me? I want to be a part of it. Let me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. God, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be working in this. I want to be a part of it. And and so then you start having eyes. And I think if you ask that, God will give you that. The Holy Spirit will put people in your path. He will. Have you look up and you'll see somebody and you'll all of a sudden think, you know what? I need to go say hi to that person. Go say hi to them. Yeah. Like that's an incredible way. And in doing that, in giving, you bless them. You might actually be the the vehicle that the Holy Spirit is blessing them through. 
but then in that you'll be blessed. It's like, right. so when Jesus says it's better to give than to receive, it's like, well, it's cause it's a twofer. When you give, you also receive and that person receives like everybody receives. Yeah. And if everybody has that mentality in a worship space, then guess what? Everybody's receiving cause you, you're giving, which means somebody else is receiving, right? Like, so we're, we're giving and receiving at the same time, but if we're focused on receiving, there is no, there's no giving that's happening. So nobody receives that. That was, that got a little, that got a little goofy there, but, but hang, I hear, there but with I hear, me. yeah, yeah. Like if you got 10 people in a room and they're all, and they, they're all looking to give, then guess what you have? You have a bunch of people who gave and everybody who received. Yeah. If you have 10 people in a room and everyone's looking to receive, you have nothing happening because there is no giving happening and you can't have receiving without giving. And of course, God is the one that gives. He's the giver of all good gifts. He's the source of all this. He is the benefactor. We get to just be a channel or a conduit, you know, for his grace and his blessing in that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's helpful, right? I think so. I yeah. mean, come on. I feel encouraged. Yeah, we're I feel like I just received something. You did. <laughs> Thank you for giving, Jay. And you, you know, and I think it's also important to remember, like, man, don't be, don't feel guilty about having life-giving friendships. Like, those are all a gift. Yeah. I do want to say, though, again, a lot of the life-giving ones are ones you would not expect. That's true. And we that all have. I don't know anyone who doesn't have some example of that. Like, if you're listening to this right now, think of somebody in your life that has been a huge blessing and encouragement to you. Um but that you don't have anything in common with on the surface. I guarantee you that you know someone. Oh yeah. And and like that's that's what is there for us all the time if we're willing to press through that and find our our identity in in Christ. So yeah, that's where that's where I would go with that. I think it's good. Do you think that's it? I think that's it. I think that's encouraging. I, mean, I think this, that's solid. This podcast has been 4 minutes. That's not true. No, but it is one of our shorter ones. We actually get we get criticized. I don't. We actually don't get criticized too often for going too long. It's funny. Well, no, that's true. That's true. We get criticized for going too short and too long. Do you know how many people listen to this and they? It's in a normal routine. It's either on a commute. Oh, and so they're so like, they if, like, if they you judge go like, based upon the commute. Well, yeah. If you yeah. go, if we go four minutes too long, then it's like, man, I'm sitting in the parking lot and I'm trying, trying to, to finish, like, finish it, up. it up. But if it's too short, then I feel like it didn't get me there. So you well, know. it's funny. I mean, listen. we did not give enough, is what I'm saying. I'm just saying. Usually, when Jeff and I are doing the podcast, we usually go a little bit shorter. I've never heard any. I've never any gotten. Complaints? The, I've never gotten the feedback. Maybe Jeff has. I don't know. <sighs> okay. Well, we hope it's been helpful. Yeah. We hope it was enough. We hope you've received enough from the giving, and that there was no partiality in any of it. I, I, Look at me just tie. It's I, just, you you are. You were just let them go. Let them cook. So, uh, but in, in all seriousness, I hope that this is a blessing and I hope that we're able to see this. This is the culture we're trying to cultivate is that it doesn't matter when you come and you're part of this family here, this church family, that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you're or how the world views you. Like we want to view people according to the spirit, you know, according to the kingdom and not according to the flesh. So, um, that's my hope. And the best way to do that is in community. And I just want to give another plug and an encouragement that community always real community is always awkward, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. It takes time. And so if you're in a situation where you're like, man, I, I want to get connected, but I just, if you're, if you, I just want to encourage you. If you're, if you feel just, if you feel like you're struggling to get connected, 
maybe press into this a little bit. Maybe you're not looking down on people because of how much money they have, but maybe maybe you are like taking a utilitarian approach or a pragmatic approach, or you're just not okay with being uncomfortable a little bit. I would just encourage you to press through that and realize that real community happens where you invest. And you know that, especially in the church, you have Christ in common. So you already have the most important thing in common. And so press into that. So I just want to encourage you to do that. If you struggle with that, if you're nervous about that, let us know. We want to help you get connected so that you can um, do this life with other people who are pursuing Jesus. You can always reach out to us on email at connect at faithpeshtigo.com. Give us a call or talk to us on a Sunday morning. Again, we appreciate your time listening to this. We hope it's been an encouragement. Until next time, grace and peace. Peace.